Happy Monday, ladies and gentlemen. Rob Port 970 WDAYM 93.1 FM. Happy to be with you. Eric, how the heck are you doing? Doing good. Did you have a good weekend? Hi. Yeah, uh, nothing really special happened, but it seemed to be okay. Yeah, no I had a busy weekend. Did you? Holy cow. Yeah, we had uh, my daughter at Minot High School homecoming oh. uh, on, on Friday. So we, uh, my daughter's a cheerleader, so she was in the parade, and we went to the football game and everything, and it was it was chilly. Uh, we did that. We also have a little thing. Uh, they call it the world's largest Scandinavian festival here in uh, in Minot. Right. Uh, the Hoost, Norsk Hoost Fest. Uh, so we went out to that for the day on uh, Saturday. That was a lot of fun. Saw Secretary of State Al Jagger there. Uh, he was in the Ludafisk line. I checked <laughs> with him, though. He was not buying Ludafisk. He was only getting meatballs, although he did admit to partaking in Ludafisk in the past. Yeah. He had no comments on the ballot measure to make recreational Ludafisk legal. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um <laughs> I cracked myself up. That's a good one. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. As as far as Ludafist jokes go, um, so that was a lot of fun. I uh, watched uh, the last regular season baseball of the year. I watched my Yankees take two out of three from the hated Red Sox, so that was good. Um, Joe Mauer possibly playing his. Uh, it, it sure sounds like. I think he's out. Yeah. I think it's. I think it's. I think it's tough for any competitor. On that, I mean, you see a lot of athletes, and and you can tell they're in it for, for the paycheck. You know, it's just they have these skills. You don't know that they love the game. It's just, boy, this is a good way to make a lot of money. Uh, I don't, I don't think that's Joe Mauer. I, I think Joe Mauer loves the game. Yeah, uh, dude's a gamer. Um, and uh, I, I, I think he's out. I think at this point, it's a guy who doesn't want to be out. I think it's a guy who maybe doesn't ever want to stop playing. Uh, I think it's him. Just trying to come to, to peace with it. I, I think what we're going to find out during the offseason is he's out, but certainly playing his last game, and that was that was emotional. Um, you know, I, I grew up a Yankees fan, obviously like the Twins because of our regional proximity, but uh, and uh, like Joe Mauer, uh, just like the way that guy plays the game. Um, so it, that was bittersweet to see him go, but um, guy went out on a high note, had a good solid season, uh, ended had a double. In his uh, one of his last at bats, so that was uh, that was good. Uh, let's see what's going on. All sorts of news. We have a new trade agreement with uh, Canada and Mexico. Um, I, uh, what's the acronym we're all using for it? I just want to call it NAFTA 2.0, but we're not using NAFTA. It's um, <laughs> they got some other acronym for it. I don't know. The new trade agreement. You guys know what I'm talking about. Um, it's a new agreement with Canada and Mexico. I think it's great. I think that there are some interesting political ramifications for that. In the political sphere, which which remember, in campaign season, you got to remember that the politics are not reality. Like the politics of the campaign trail are about creating perceptions. They're not about what's real. You know, it's unfortunate. There's some semblance. I mean, they they, they all want you to think that you're they're telling you the truth, but most of them aren't. It's exaggeration. It's cherry picking. It's everything else. Everybody does it. And so, we have a trade agreement, right? It's it's probably too early. I don't know that anybody probably other than the negotiators themselves has had time to sit down and look at this thing. Early in, in implications are that it's it's a good one. It's a good one, particularly for our part of the world. As a matter of fact, I was just reading for uh for uh wheat growers. There's some particularly good stuff in there where their their wheat's not necessarily just gonna be treated automatically as feed quality. I mean, there's there's a lot of good things coming out of this. Politically, I think it's interesting. 
because what Democrats have done, and, and in particular I'm talking about Senator Heidi Heitkamp, in particular I'm talking about U.S. House candidate Max Schneider here in North Dakota, uh, what they have invested themselves in is this idea that President Trump has been handling the trade issue incompetently. Um, politically, that's what works for them, right? Because they needed a wedge issue that allows them to be critical of President Trump for their left-wing base in a way that's not necessarily going to alienate right-of-center Republican Trump voters, right? And so the trade issue was perfect because they could say, oh, all this chaos on trade, oh, it's terrible, oh, it's going to impact, uh, you know, all of our and, – and, and that has some roots in the truth. I mean, there's no question, North Dakota, we, we produce a lot of commodities. We make a lot of stuff that gets shipped far outside of not just our state borders, but our international borders. So they were right to a point, but now the problem is, is they've invested themselves where, where they placed their political bet was on President Trump handling this stuff incompetently, was in, was in bad outcomes from Trump's efforts to renegotiate these trade deals. That's where they placed their bets. The problem is, is that when Trump comes through, if things go well, if his approach, which I, I think we can agree, Eric, is iconoclastically belligerent, right? I mean, Trump does not approach these things like any other, I think, national leader we've had, at least not like in the last century. So, you know, the interesting thing is if, if Trump is, is doing well or, or even just perceived to be doing well, well, then suddenly that becomes a losing bet for Senator Heitkamp. That becomes a losing bet for Max Schneider. Because, again, where they placed their bets was on Trump losing, on Trump doing poorly. So, anyway, we're going to talk about that. Uh, former U.S. Ambassador, uh, United Na- uh, Ambassador, he was an ambassador to the United Nations, uh, Terry Miller. He now works for the Heritage Foundation. He's going to be on with me, uh, and we are going to talk about this new trade deal. So that will be coming up at 1.30. Also at 1 o'clock, because we are having a debate in this state about Measure 3 and recreational marijuana. But as we've had that debate, we've also heard a lot of people asking, well, what about medical marijuana? Where are we with this process, right? Because we passed that measure in the 2016 uh, election uh, during the 2017 legislative session. Lawmakers had to tinker with it. We're now nearing the end of 2018. Uh, We still don't have it. Well, I'm actually going to be interviewing... Uh, ben Kimbrough, he is the director of public affairs for an organization called Harvest Enterprises. Now, one of their, um, I don't know if you call it like a subsidiary, one of their branches or whatever, they got the license to be a medical marijuana retailer in Bismarck Mandown. And so we're going to have them on. We're going to talk about what that process looks like. Here in North Dakota, what legalizing recreational marijuana might mean for medical marijuana. I think there's a lot of good questions to ask them about that. So anyway, they're going to be on it. Ben's going to be on at 1 o'clock. We'll talk with him. Plus your phone call, 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, we could talk more Kavanaugh, although it seems like that's all we talked about last week. But it's still continuing to dominate the headlines. This week, we uh, have that FBI investigation. Things are moving ahead with that. There was a lot of questions. I was watching President Trump's press conference on the new trade deal. But, of course, what a lot of the reporters wanted to ask about was was Kavanaugh. And they got some questions in about Kavanaugh. And, you know, the big talking point now is President Trump's manipulating, you know, the, the FBI investigation. Or he's going to narrow it or he's micromanaging it. I don't whatever talking point you've heard. Honestly, which which I think is just an indication that we're moving the goalposts. And it's an indication that 
I, I, I think Senator Flake, Senator Jeff Flake from Arizona, whose who's call for the FBI investigation is what made um, what made this happen, essentially. I mean, he, he kind of made it clear that his vote for Kavanaugh was going to hinge on whether or not there was an FBI investigation. So now we're doing an FBI investigation. And, and in a perfect world, I, th- I think there would be absolutely nothing wrong with what Senator Flake asked for. The problem is, is, is what he asked for was based on the assumption that Democrats, for their part, are acting in good faith. And I don't think that they are. I don't think that there's any length that we could go to with Kavanaugh that is going to satisfy them. There's, there's nothing that's going to be enough, which is why the minute, the minute we got the FBI investigation, right? Flake called for it. Trump obliged. He ordered the FBI investigation. Now it's going forward. And by the way, it's, it's going forward under the auspices of, 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 a, of basically a more enhanced background check where they're going to interview these people and they're going to add all this stuff to the background on Kavanaugh. You know, previously people were calling on the FBI to investigate like it was a crime. There was no federal nexus. Well, this is different. They're going to be adding it as, as a part of the FBI's duties to perform a background check on Kavanaugh. They're going to be adding it to that. But what's interesting is, is the minute Democrats essentially got what they wanted, they started moving the goalposts. Oh, the, oh, the Trump already throwing dirt on the FBI investigation that they called for. They called for it. They wanted it. Now they got it. And now they're throwing dirt on it immediately. Because there's, there's, there's nothing that's going to satisfy them. Because the goal here is not about finding the truth. The goal here is to delay as long as possible and potentially either get Kavanaugh to withdraw or be withdrawn or to push the whole thing out past the midterm elections to where potentially now President Trump's got to get a nominee confirmed with a Democratic majority potentially in the United States Senate. Uh, you know, I, I think I think Flake got played. So we could talk about that. Uh, what else can we talk about? We can uh, – oh, we should, we should talk about – you watch Saturday Night Live, Eric? Uh, yeah. I haven't watched it in years. Um, but – uh, I did watch the clips of um, Kanye West, who I guess was the, the musical performer and then went on a, a pro-Trump, I want to call it a rant, but basically just kind of made a speech at the end about Trump. Uh, he got booed, and now a lot of people are, are talking about his mental state or whatever. Listen, uh, Kanye West is is not anybody who I would follow any more than I would follow just about any celebrity who's commenting on politics, all right? Their, their celebrity, being good at acting, does not make you a better or worse political analyst than the rest of us. I, I think they have audiences that they preach politics to that are not commensurate with their expertise and their knowledge on politics. Um, that's, I think, reality with celebrities. So I'm not looking... To, to me, Kanye West isn't like some new thought leader on politics. To me, that that's not what's interesting about what he's doing. What's interesting about what he's doing is he is daring to advocate a political position that is anathema to people with his skin color, right? People people with his skin color aren't supposed to, according to, to left-wing orthodoxy, aren't supposed to think the way he thinks about President Trump. People who do what he does for a living which is, you know, a rapper, a musician, an entertainer, a celebrity, are not supposed to think what he thinks about President Trump. And so 
to me, it's not so much because a lot of what Kanye says is is confused. Like he puts something on social media about how uh, we're going to abolish the Thirteenth Amendment. Uh, <laughs> that's the one that that's the one that abolished slavery. Yeah, Kanye, what was that all about? I I have no idea. I can't discern it. And and this is the problem. Kanye West is not a political thought leader. What I do think is interesting is to watch other people react to him. Right. Kanye West could speak for his own point of view. He doesn't necessarily speak for mine. But I do think it's interesting that he's daring to think what he wants to think and to put out there what he wants to put out there, right? Celebrity activists and and the liberals in Hollywood, they're all fine with this as long as they're all on, you know, adhering to, to progressive orthodoxy. But the minute one of them strays from it, now all of a sudden he's mentally ill. Now all of a sudden he needs an intervention. How dare Kanye West... Dissent from liberal orthodoxy. It's only cool when celebrities speak out when they're left-wingers. That's okay. Anyway, what do you think about all that? Love to hear from you. Ken, hold on the line. We'll get to you after the break. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Rapport 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM. I was just reading a president, a former president, excuse me, Barack Obama, uh, just a little while ago. Uh, released uh, more endorsements uh, of, of of candidates, you know, gubernatorial candidates, House candidates, Senate candidates uh, that he's endorsing in the upcoming election. Uh, notably, and this is his second wave. He's done two waves of it now. Neither one has endorsed any candidates in North Dakota. Uh, and I'm guessing that's less a reflection on those candidates than it is just just a tacit admission that president former president obama's endorsement is probably more hindrance than help in uh in in north dakota anyway uh i diverge oh, we're talking about the capital i think also talking about kanye west at saturday night live and his comments love to hear what you think 701-293-9000-888-970-9329 email talk at wday.com caller ken you're on what's up you know, I used to think that, uh, that that if all this played out the way the Democrats want, it, it would be a 4-4 tie until the next presidential election. But then I had uh, a thought, which is recess appointment. Uh, the Republicans control when the Senate goes into recess. So if things go as badly as they could, which is Kavanaugh gets bollocked up and they can't get somebody else in there, time's running out, they lose at the midterms, well, they don't, the new Congress doesn't take effect until January 3rd. So Mitch can put them into recess at Christmas. Trump could put Miguel Estrada on with the stroke of a pen, and he serves two years until the next presidential election. Is that how it would work? No, I, I know, yeah. I know we, that we've yeah. used... Yep, two years. I, 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 wanted, I, I know. wanted Barack Obama to do that with Merrick Garland under the auspices of between gavel swings of the end of the one Congress and the beginning of the new, even though the Republicans held Congress, they'd say, well, there, ha- there has to be a, a nanosecond of recess. They, there, there was people writing articles about, I remember about, about that. Obama. But, this, but Mitch yeah. can just put him into recess, full, full stop. Yeah. Uh, I, I know that we've done that, and I know that we have made recess appointments to the Supreme Court in the past. In fact, I, I think there have been 10. Uh, William Brennan comes to mind um as uh as, as one of the of who was a recess appointment to the supreme court uh, that's possible honestly though ken I, I mean at this point to me kavanaugh kavanaugh's nomination has become about more than kavanaugh and, oh, i'm and, just saying if things go as south as they could i, I don't think yeah. it will. i don't think trump will allow a 4-4 four, four 
uh, two years of, 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 of limbo land. He knows that the Democrats aren't going to do anything with anyone that, that, that he appoints. So why not do a recess appointment? Yeah. No, I, I, I think you're right as a, as a last gambit. But here, here's the thing. I mean, we, we are in such a, a, you know, the ends justify the means place in politics right now where, where, where nobody cares what we're doing to Brett Kavanaugh. I, I mean, for, yeah. for, for the Democrats, I want to read something that um, Jim Garrity wrote for National Review this morning. Um, what, what, what bothers me is that Here's 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 what he wrote. He goes, uh, Jeff Flake is a sucker. People acting in good faith don't leak the name of a woman making sexual assault accusations when she's asked to remain anonymous. Uh, people acting in good faith don't withhold information about accusations as serious as this from their colleagues for two months. People acting in good faith don't unveil the accusations after the confirmation hearings. People acting in good faith don't tout the investigative abilities of the FBI for months and then turn around and express doubt that they'll get answers once they get that investigation. A Democrat acting in good faith would say, whatever you think of the allegations by Ms. Ford and Ms. Ramirez, the allegations brought forth by Michael Avenatti's client, claiming that at age 15, Brett Kavanaugh began organizing weekly gang rape parties that involved dozens of assailants, victims, and witnesses that involved acquired and slipping young women quaaludes and continued a relentless gang rape spree for three years and not a single victim or witness ever went to police, a parent, a teacher, or other responsible adult are extremely impossible and represent a smear. Senator Dianne Feinstein has done the opposite, calling for the FBI to investigate those far-fetched claims. So this is the problem, is it is hard to, to, to go about trying to do the right thing and, and to call for investigations and to have a process that will give us at least some degree of satisfaction that, that we've arrived at, at, at a just outcome or, or a truthful outcome. It's hard to do that when the other side isn't motivated by the same thing. And I think that's what Republicans, and not to say that Republicans haven't been similarly cynical, uh, and, and, and gold, you know, had the wrong priorities in the past, just that in this particular incident, with this particular situation, Democrats, it's all about politics. It's all about keeping Heidi Heitkamp from having to vote on somebody like Brett Kavanaugh before the election. It's all about stopping President Trump from appointing anybody to the United States Supreme Court. That's what they're motivated. And for them, the ends justify the means. And I don't know how we ever, which is why I've said, just confirm Kavanaugh already, and we can do the investigation after the fact. Because doing it in this environment where one side is, 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 is trying, you know, I think Senator Flake sincerely felt that calling for an FBI investigation would, would, would help us reach, you know, gather more facts and, and reach some sort of a, a conclusion. But he got played because for Democrats don't care about that. Idiot. He just did what he just gave them. They, he, he cracked the door and now they're going to kick it open. And, and I don't want to call him an idiot. He was It'll naive. never be enough because the only thing that's enough is Kavanaugh doesn't get on and Trump doesn't get to a point. That's the only and, thing that will satisfy. Right. And, 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 the, and the moment President Trump nominates somebody else, there'll be another attack on them. Although, you know, if he's yeah. nominating and if Democrats control the Senate, you know, the blowback will probably be less severe. But Well, that's why you go recess appointment yeah. for two years. Yeah. That's why I say uh, confirm Kavanaugh. And then if there yeah. really is something, we can impeach him after the fact. So anyway, thanks for the call, Ken. Appreciate it. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. We uh, got an email from Brad. We've been talking about the Brett Kavanaugh thing. This is Rob Port 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM. Uh, actually, you know what? Before we get into that, Jay Thomas. There we go. 
Uh, this Thursday, the Jay Thomas Show will be live in Purim as they get ready to celebrate Harvest Fest this Saturday. Uh, Jay will be broadcasting live uh, one from 125 Apparel in downtown Purim. Uh, the Jay Thomas Show live in Purim this Thursday. Uh, it's brought to you by Cavanaugh's uh, Furniture, Goose Gang Toys, Refreshing Designs, The Nest, The Kitchen Store, Wild Goose Gifts, and 125 Apparel. So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, Harvest Fest uh, coming up this Thursday, um, live from Purim. So that's that's and in Harvest Fest, of course, uh, this th- Saturday in Purim. So that's that's a lot of fun. One of the there's all there's always all these great fall festivals in the region, and that's one of them, the one in Purim. But um, it's just a great time of year. Anyway, uh, let's see. Got a couple of emails on the Kavanaugh thing. Uh, Brad emails Rob. The narrative is switching to how Brett is an angry, privileged white man. So it doesn't matter if he doesn't get the nomination. What a dangerous, slippery, slippery slope we are going down. I I have seen a lot of that, um, where we 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 shift it from the specific accusations against Brett Kavanaugh, the individual, to this sort of indictment of the world that he represents, which is, you know, white males. Uh, who went to elite schools, um, you know, came from affluent areas, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, I've, I've heard people talk about bro culture or whatever. Here's the thing. What, whatever Brett Kavanaugh may be, however much money his parents made, whatever schools he went to, et cetera, et cetera, none of that matters. Any more than it should matter if we're talking about, uh, say, an African-American man from a single mother household uh, who, who grew up, uh, uh, you know, in, in, in a troubled part of the, the world, uh, whatever, uh, it's still, if, if we're talking about, you know, a specific accusation, what matters are, is none of that background information. What matters is the facts of the accusation against him. And, and, and with, with Brett Kavanaugh, whatever else he is, you know, there's not a lot of, of facts around the accusation, you know, and, and we've had, uh, we've, you know, we've been through all that ad nauseum, but you know, I, I have, I have a lot of problem with people trying to loop that into this, making this about some some larger narrative. You know, Brett Kavanaugh doesn't deserve, you know, to be treated a certain way because of the color of his skin. Nobody does. Brett Kavanaugh doesn't deserve to be treated a certain way uh, because of his economic background of his parents or anybody else. That's just not how it should be. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, let's see, Steve emails. He goes, I am surprised Trump has not enlisted the help of his good buddy, Putin, uh, to do this Kavanaugh investigation, he said publicly in front of the whole world that he trusts Putin more than he trusts his own FBI. Trump's handlers had to scramble to cover that statement. Remember, he forgot to say, yeah, 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 President Trump misspoke. So what? He misspoke. President Obama once said that we had 57 states in the union. I don't think any reasonable person honestly believed that President Barack Obama, then candidate Obama, didn't know how many states there were in the union. Let's get serious, Steve. The rest of the rest of us grown-ups would like to talk about this seriously. Uh, let's see, caller Cliff, you're on. What's up? Yeah, say I'm I'm really confused. How can any American with a conscience, after what's happened in the last two years with our election of President Trump and with Kavanaugh, and the party of Pelosi, Elizabeth Warren, Chuck Schumer, that list goes on and on. How can any American call themselves a Democrat. I want a Democrat to call your show and tell me how they can call themselves a Democrat and not at least switch and be an independent. Yeah, it is. Um, it, it is. It is frustrating. 
but right now it's it's the ends justify the means for the Democrats. And, and again, I'm not letting Republicans off the hook. You know, p- part of what's contributing to this environment we have around Supreme Court justices is what Republicans did to Merrick Garland. You know, I mean, it's, it's oh, that, been a tit for tat That was the Joe Biden rule. They they pulled that crap way back when, just like, yeah. I mean, the Democrats, that was politics, not dirty, dirty, filthy politics. They didn't destroy the man. They just didn't hold a vote because, you know what, the Democrats did the same thing. And they got Joe Biden on tape. And then you can go back to who 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 put into effect the uh, nuclear option? It was the Democrats. That they was were Harry told Reed. it was going to come back. That, 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 and Senator Heidi Heitkamp, that Senator Heitkamp voted for, by the way, in 2013. Yep. You're right. You're, you're, yep. you're absolutely right. And, and Cliff, th- that is a well-made point that what you're talking about, because, I mean, we could we could go back, and in the annals of, of dirty politics, we could go all the way back to, uh, you know, John Adams uh, pulling, uh, you know, p- p- pulling dirty maneuvers on Thomas Jefferson and vice versa. I mean, we could go all the way back to the founding of the republic if we want to talk about dirty politics in America. Uh, it's not, nobody's hands are clean who are involved in politics. Uh, this is something is beyond it, that, though. Is this, is, this is something that beyond it that. was... Uh... Um, Democrats who pulled this on Thomas, on, oh, there was one other one, and now Kavanaugh, that, you know, Kennedy could drive a woman into the lake, kill her, not report it until the next day, and his sentence was he got to serve out his life in Congress. What a sentence. Yeah, well... You know, I mean, that's the problem. I mean, Ted, Ted Kennedy. I mean, Chap. Did, did you see that movie, Chappaquiddick? By the way, I haven't. I haven't been able to see it yet. And one I last grew thing, up, Heidi should lose by fifty points. Well, I don't think that's because of happen. all this crap. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I do think, as somebody, and that's a really good point as well, Cliff. I do think that as someone like her who has been on the campaign trail talking about how you know she doesn't like you know this you know this. All, all the partisan politics and she's an independent and she's there to be an independent voice. Okay. Well, if you're an independent voice, Senator Heitkamp, you are uniquely positioned, particularly because your race is one upon which the control balance of power in the Senate. Senator Heitkamp has more clout with her own party right now than she ever does. And now would be an opportune moment. If she means what she says, about being an independent thinker and being above the partisan fray and everything else to call out her own party for some of what they've handled with Kavanaugh. Now, I, I, I don't, I don't begrudge anybody having doubts about, you know, did Kavanaugh do it? Did he didn't do it? None of us who weren't there, if, if it even happened, if there even was a room to be in, none of us outside of that room really know what happens or even if there was well, a room. And I, I don't, I don't think we're ever going to get there, but, but I, so I don't begrudge anybody their doubts as far as that goes, but. The way Democrats have handled this politically, delaying the release of the letter, um, apparently leaking out the identity of, of Christine Blasey Ford, even though uh, she she at requested to be anonymous, right. uh, on down the list, all of the things she's done. Senator Heitkamp could call out her own party for that. And by not calling right. them out, she's tacitly endorsing this. I mean, this is why if Senator Heitkamp, if Kavanaugh comes to a vote and she votes against Kavanaugh, then that is a vote for, as far as I'm concerned, and I, th- I think as far as any reasonable should be con- person should be concerned, that is a vote for all of the things that Senator Heitkamp claims that she's against in Washington, D.C. And it's totally against our Constitution and innocent until proven guilty. The burden lies on 
the yeah. accuser to prove guilt. And it people, doesn't, people, you don't have to prove you're innocent. People keep saying, well, this is a job interview. This isn't a court of law, so there's a lower standard. Okay, fine. Wow. Uh, we should still live up to the spirit of it, right? It's, it's like people saying, well, you know, the First right. Amendment is only about the government prohibiting speech. Well, I don't know. I feel like people who aren't the government, people like Facebook, people like Twitter, should live up to the spirit of the First Amendment because the First Amendment isn't just law in this country. It is a founding ideal. As are exactly. concepts like innocent until proven guilty. As are concepts exactly. like, you know, being protected from unreasonable search and seizure. These are more than just laws. These are ideals. And even when we're not specifically required by the law to live up to them, we should strive to live up to them anyway. And we're not. With Brett Kavanaugh, we are not. I think Heidi should denounce what these Democrats like Feinstein have done and declare herself an independent. I agree, but good luck yeah. Good luck even getting her in a place where she could take questions. Later this week, Congressman yeah. Kramer will be on. He'll take questions about Kavanaugh. You want to ask right, him questions right. about Kavanaugh? He'll, he'll come on. Senator Heitkamp won't even put herself in a place where she'll do that. Right. Okay, I want a Democrat to call the show and defend their party. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for the call, Cliff. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Maybe Senator Heikamp could go on her brother's show, and he could screen calls for her, and she could take certain calls on there. They could they could have a nice little setup like they usually do. All right. Uh, we're going to take a break. We'll come right back. Rob Report, 970 WDAY AM, 93.1 FM. By the way, I emailed Senator Heikamp this morning, as I do, every Monday morning, requesting an interview. Yeah, still nothing back. Six years plus in waiting, Eric. Nothing back. You got to check those we'll spam re- filters. Yeah, I checked them. <laughs> They're not going to spam. <laughs> All right, we'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Port 970, WDAY AM 93.1 FM, 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, I saw a bunch of people posting on social media over the weekend this um, editorial cartoon. I, I guess it was from a newspaper in Halifax uh, in Canada. And essentially, it, it shows, you know, Lady Justice, right? The the image, the the, the woman with the, the the blindfolded with the scales, right? The the, the sort of iconic image of, of justice, uh, being held down by male hands, male suited hands with GOP like cufflinks, with a hand over her mouth and a hand on her wrist. Um, I mean, the, the image, you know, basically is an image that looks like a woman getting raped or a woman getting assaulted. And it's Lady Justice, and I guess the idea is there that Republicans are raping justice or raping whatever. And it, it amazes me how we've just completely blown by. I mean, just just a vast swath of of the American body politic is just we've just zoomed by for political reasons because it fits the right political narrative for some people. But we've just zoomed by the question of whether or not Kavanaugh actually, you know, did it. Right? I mean, shouldn't we establish that before we go out, you know, drawing cartoon editorials about Republicans raping Lady Justice? It, 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 it frustrates me. Um, and the other thing that frustrates me, too, are people uh, who are, oh, oh, Kavanaugh's just, uh, he's so, he was so angry. Oh, God, he was so, his, his temperament is not befitting somebody. I mean, the guy's been on the second highest court in the land since, like, 2006. 2005, 2006, he was appointed there. Which, by the way, nothing came out during that appointment process. 
right? None of these accusations came out then, right? I mean, Ab- Abenati's clients claiming that that uh, Kavanaugh uh, was a member of a basically a gang rape syndicate that operated for years at parties with apparently nobody getting win for it and, and Kavanaugh being able to go on and, and be in the public limelight for decades afterwards, appointed to the second highest court in the land, worked for presidential administrations before that, and yet was somehow a member of that ring. It, it strains credulity. It is, it is silly, and yet because it fits the right political narratives, we give it credence, and that's... You know what I think the problem is, Eric? I think the problem is there's nobody in, in either party anymore who's willing to just blow the whistle on their own party. Just be like, no, even though that's what's politically advantageous to us right now, uh, that's too far. Nobody's willing to do that anymore. Those people don't exist anymore. And you know why they don't exist anymore? It's it's all this, It's frankly, it's it's social media. It's It's all, you know, hold their feet to the fire, right? I mean, it's... It's what the American public want. We talk about how wallet Washington's so polarized or whatever. That's what the electorate wants. Right? We vote somebody into office and then we punish them if they ever compromise, right? Because then they've, you know, they've they've they've, they've gone they've gone spineless. Right? They've gone wobbly. They've become a squish. They've gone soft. Okay, well, okay, so so now we've elected a bunch of people none of whom feel like they can ever really compromise. Or if they do compromise, they get pilloried for it. And so there's nobody left anymore who's just going to blow the whistle and say, you know what, this is too far. This is enough. Those people aren't around. They're not around anymore. 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Um... Sorry, that's where we're at with the uh, with the Kavanaugh thing. Um, we're uh, we're going to talk about marijuana in, in the next segment. We've got a uh, a public affairs director from one of the organizations that has they've they've won a license in North Dakota to sell medicinal marijuana, right? Because that's what we approved in 2016. Now that's been a lengthy process. A lot of people have complained about that process. A lot of people have said, I, I think erroneously that that issue has been slow walked. And I, I don't think it has. I think it's just complicated. And it wasn't helped by the fact that the, the ballot measure, which legalized it in the first place, was was fairly, very poorly written and had to be fixed by the legislature and then implemented by the bureaucracy after that. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, coming up. Meanwhile, uh, stuff with Measure 3 is heating up. I see Legalize ND has released a web ad supporting their measure. Meanwhile, another group, uh, and I, I hadn't even heard of these folks, but it's another group uh, calling themselves uh, Healthy and Productive North Dakota. Have you even heard of these folks yet, no, Eric? Nope. Yeah. Well, they're out opposing Measure 3. They're distinct from the other group, which is like North Dakotans against the legalization of recreational marijuana, which is a mouthful. Um, so apparently this is a separate separate group. Uh, they're going to be running billboards across the state opposing Measure 3. So that issue's heating up. Um, and I think it is interesting to talk maybe a little bit about Measure 3 in the context of medical marijuana in that if we legalize recreational marijuana, what does it mean for medical marijuana, which is already legal? 
Um, lawmakers are telling me what, what you know, from, from their understanding, the medical marijuana industry is not bothered by legalized recreational marijuana, but I don't know. That's a good question. And I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen as far as, uh, recreational marijuana, uh, getting, getting passed. Uh, Don emails, can we all agree one thing? Term limits are called for now. I, I think term limits are an interesting prospect because term limits are essentially limiting the voters of choices right i mean if you believe in the will of the people if you believe in the wisdom of the electorate the wisdom of the masses or whatever then term limits should be anathema right because all they are is a limit on who you can vote for i mean why do we need term limits well because the public the voting public keeps sending the same people to office over and over and over again which to me is evidence for my my theory, Eric, which is that the problem is not Washington. The problem is us. Voters just aren't uh, aren't uh, up to date think, on everything. They haven't done their... I think, I, I think a lot of elections are settled by people who don't pay that much attention. Right. Um, I, 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 think, I think elections can be settled by people who are apathetic. I think, um, I think a lot of times voters want contradictory things. They want lots of, you know, big, expansive government programs and services. They also want low taxes, and then we get budget deficits. Uh, the problem is the electorate. I, I really do. I think we are getting exactly the government we voted for. As unpopular as I realize that that probably is. Uh, all right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back. This is the Rob Report, 970 WDYM 93.1 FM. We'll be right back. Hour two, Rob Report, 970 WDYM 93.1 FM. Happy to be with you. So we are having a debate in North Dakota right now about Measure 3, which, if it passed, would legalize recreational marijuana. But in 2016, we had a debate about medical marijuana, and the people in favor of medical marijuana won that debate. Uh, so 2016, our voters uh, said uh, yes to medical marijuana by a wide margin. Uh, medical marijuana in North Dakota is now the law of the land, although implementing that law has been a lengthy process. Uh, but anyway, here to talk with me, uh, because we are getting very, very close to people who uh, who meet the qualifications uh, to purchase medical marijuana in North Dakota, being able to go out and uh, and do that. Um, one of the companies that, that won, or, or I, I guess a, a subsidiary, of uh, of one of the uh, one of the or- organizations uh, who, who who are in the marijuana business now nationally, Harvest Enterprises Incorporated, uh, won a retail license for the Bismarck Mandan region of North Dakota. Um, here to talk with me about that is a spokesman, uh, the uh, director of public affairs for Harvest Enterprises Incorporated, Ben Kimbrough. Ben, how are you? I'm great. How about yourself? I'm doing I'm doing just fine. So so t- tell us. I mean, how? We, we've obviously heard our state officials and everybody talking about it. I, I think there's a lot of people frustrated with the process, you know, be it fair or unfair, uh, for for unroll, you know, making medical marijuana legal or, or available, I should say, in the state of North Dakota. How close are we to that becoming a reality? I mean, you you've got the first license in the state, and, and you guys are 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 moving along, uh, I think, at a at a very respectable pace. Uh, it's. It's a challenge. This is new. Uh, it's complex. Uh, it's heavily regulated, and uh, with that, and, and still prohibited a, a, by the feds. I mean, we should add it is. It is. Uh, it is. And, and happy to happy to discuss that uh, with you, and, and where we see that going as well. Uh, I would say that North Dakota, though, has done a fantastic job in terms of enacting very sensible regulations. Uh, that said, it always falls in balance with uh, 
the demand of voters, uh, patients in North Dakota in this case, that uh, are anxious to have access to, to these products. And uh, I, I can certainly, I'm sensitive to and respect uh, their position to hurry this up. Uh, but I would tell you that North Dakota's implementation has been uh, faster and more transparent, in fact, than some other regulated states. I think they've done a great job. Now, are, are you just saying that because you want a license? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm saying it because, you know, I see frustration uh, in another state uh, that we operate in. Their voters uh, passed medical marijuana in November of 2016. And their patients in that state uh, are not likely to see uh, retail medical marijuana products available to them in any part of the state until, I would guess, at least quarter two of 2019. So it, it, it takes a while. And, 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 in, and late in comparison to other states, uh, I think North Dakota strikes a pretty good balance in terms of getting it implemented as fast as possible, but also doing it right. Now I, I'm I'm reading your your press release here, and I mean you you folks your 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 organization you guys describe yourselves as a fully integrated, uh, ver, excuse me, fully vertically integrated cannabis company, uh, and you now have more than forty licenses across the the country. So you more than most would would have I, I guess uh, you know pretty good insight in, in in how this is playing out in all the various states across the nation. Um, what do you mean by vertically integrated? I, I assume that means you you do everything from growing the marijuana down to retailing it to customers. Is that correct? Precisely right, from seed to sale. So from uh, from the agricultural processing and, and production uh, to creating packaged products and distributing them to patients at a retail site. Uh, we we do it all, and and I would I would back up and say that uh, yes, in terms of how you're implementing in North Dakota, I've had a, a front row seat at a bunch of our uh, now 31 regulated states, and 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 that's what I I base my impression on is in, in terms of the quality job that that it's that is being done in in North Dakota and getting medicine to patients. Do you feel like and now? I, I'm assuming here because, as far as the federal government's concerned, marijuana is still prohibited. Now they're, I guess, kind of sort of looking the other way. That's all very much a a gray area. That unfortunately, I, I feel like that's the big frontier. I, I feel like this is kind of the states are figuring this out. They're doing their own thing. Most states have legalized marijuana to one degree or another. Um, I, I think at the federal level is kind of the last frontier. Is we got to figure out something for what the feds are doing. That said vertically integrated in the state of North Dakota. I'm assuming that means that marijuana sold in North Dakota needs to be grown in North Dakota, because I would think the feds would have a problem if you were transporting this across state lines. Absolutely correct. Uh, not only would it would it be unlawful from a, a federal perspective with interstate commerce, uh, it would also violate uh, century titles of the, of the North Dakota law. Uh, so, simple answer to your question is yes. Every every product uh, that you'll find available uh, in North Dakota will have been grown or cultivated in North Dakota. So, so tell us. I mean, what is this going to look like? You guys are running. You know, I mean, this this is. You guys are a big player nationally, getting into the marijuana market. What what do one of your your stores look like when I walk into one of these places? What am I going to see? 
And what and what sort of products are going to be on sale? You're you're going to love it. Uh, it's we uh, do a beautiful job. Frankly, I'm, I'm, I respect that I'm biased, but uh, compared to a lot of uh, the folks in the, in the market, we do a really great job uh, focused on having clean, uh, safe, well-lit uh, dispensaries. In, in places uh, we go into, we, we bring something to the community. It's a nice-looking building. It'll be uh, conservatively dressed and landscaped. You, it'll be well-lit. It'll be secure, and when you come in, the the patient experience is is one that is very focused on on the individual and what their needs are and what they suffer from, what sorts of products they're looking for, and what sorts of ailments they're seeking relief from. So, uh, when you come in, our our retail operations generally range between uh, 100 to 125 different products or individual SKUs. Um, so you're going to see uh, a variety of things so that, that we address whatever uh, disorder or pain a person is, is suffering uh, in a variety of ways and find something that, that works well for them. It's highly individualized. Uh, we have a caller on the line, Karen. Uh, you're on. What's up? What is one difference between North Dakota's law and Minnesota's law? You know, I, I can't comment on it. I don't know. Uh, I'm not very clear on where Minnesota is in terms of regulation. So does uh, the insurance that I use, let's say for one example, at Sanford Pharmacy, can I still use that to get marijuana if I need it in the future? I don't believe you can. I, I, I have not seen any instances where uh, care insurers are participating yet with cannabis supplementation, and, and, and I think that probably stems from, from a legality matter uh, with, the, with the federal CDS1 listing. Do you, feel, do you feel like that's something in the future, like, like eventually we're going to get to a point where these sorts of treatments are covered by insurance? Yes. Yes, eventually this will normalize the the federal government, uh, and I and I get to work quite closely in this. Uh, the federal government acknowledges that uh, presently there are ten to twelve billion dollars in cash that that really need to be banked. Uh, there is already a, an IRS code that uh, codifies these types of businesses. So the federal government. The IRS already has a, a tax revenue stream from the cannabis industry that needs to be normalized, and all of that cash needs to be banked, uh, and, and steps are being taken toward that uh, at the Department of Justice level, at the IRS level. I think it's interesting that the, the likely outcome here is because with now 31 regulated states, I think it will, will remain a state's rights matter. And members of Congress, their staffers, numerous folks at the Department of Justice seem seem very content with that, as long as there's regulation that controls and seeks to push out transnational crime and money laundering. I think I think they eventually become very tolerant wow. of it, and certainly from a, a political perspective, with members of Congress. 
increasingly this is something that that we see across the United States that that, that very obviously North Dakota is a great example. Voters like it. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I honestly, I, I think anytime you want to push, you know, criminal gangs serving a black market out, it's just to bring the black market into the light, which is part of what legalizing medical marijuana does so that companies like yours can handle this and it's done out in the light and there's accountability and there's regulation and there's taxes uh, and all that stuff as opposed to the black market, which is another matter entirely. Caller, Scott, you're on. What's up? Hi, say thanks for hey, taking the call. I got a question for you. Uh, trying to let, be in traffic here. Uh, I went to got my physical last month at uh, Sanford, and I was just kind of asking the doctor how he was going to go about you know prescribing and everything. And he says they don't have a mechanism in place yet to even do that. And then I was wondering too. Are they even started growing the marijuana? I mean, that takes a while to grow and everything. Is this not going to be done this year, is it? I, I Regrettably, Scott, I don't think you'll see product on shelf by the end of this calendar year. It, you, you're right. The answer is yes. It, it does take a little while to grow, uh, generally in the range of four to five and a half months, depending on, on the strain, of, of which there are many. Um, and and there are certainly some physicians, uh, perhaps yours, uh, who won't participate. Um, there are physicians, I think, that as time goes by and the FDA gets more involved in, in pharmaceutical cannabis innovation, uh, that, that, will, that will shift toward uh, finding it an acceptable treatment plan. Uh, emailer asks, uh, please ask him where the genetics come from for the grown in North Dakota weed he is promoting. Isn't it illegal to transport seeds and plants across state borders? I, and I've heard a lot of people ask this. I mean, obviously, the, the federal laws are what they are. The, the marijuana that's going to be grown in North Dakota, where do those seeds originate? It's a good question. It's it, Certainly, they don't come from magic beans. Um, the seeds uh, of uh, cannabis of marijuana uh, in all strains contain no THC, which is the psychoactive uh, component of cannabis and, and the reason that it is uh, listed on the controlled drug schedule. So those seeds uh, routinely get shipped. Uh, there's a question of, of whether it's lawful or not, but to date, the, the DEA and, and law, federal law enforcement authorities have not uh, taken any any steps to to investigate or prosecute that. So the the seeds uh, will arrive from from out of state. Seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine. Email talk at wday dot com. Uh, last last question, um, Ben. We, we obviously here in North Dakota, we are are debating a, a, a ballot measure, Measure Three, to legalize recreational marijuana. I'm sure recreational marijuana is is something that you folks have have seen in some of the other states that you're operating in. Um, if if how, how do you? Feel? I mean, as a company that's in the medical marijuana, maybe you're in the recreational marijuana business too. I guess I don't know. Um, but how do you guys view measures like that? Are you in favor of also legalizing recreational marijuana? Well, we're our our model, our corporate structure and philosophy is is focused toward to provide medicine, uh, to provide relief to patients. Uh, certainly, never 
interfere and absolutely never try to predict what uh, legislatures or voters are going to do. Uh, but it's certainly something that we keep an eye on from a policy perspective uh, and see what's going on in other states. It's not uncommon. Uh, you know, Oklahoma, as an example, just passed uh, medical marijuana by quite a large margin and uh, a follow-on effort to legalize recreational failed. So it's, it's, it's kind of interesting to watch um, in terms of, of what will happen, but that's very much uh, up to North Dakotans to determine what's right for the state and, and, and how you all want to do business and, and the sorts of products that, that you will permit and, and disallow. Ben, I appreciate your time. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much. That's Ben Kimbrough, uh, Director of Public Affairs for Harvest Enterprises, and one of their um, one of their affiliates was awarded a retail license for the Bismarck Mandan region of North Dakota. He says sounds like products on the shelf early next year, which uh, and also, I mean that that flies in the face of what a lot of people have been saying about this process too. He says it's gone great in North Dakota, so that's interesting. More to come straight ahead. Rob Report nine seventy WDYM ninety three point one FM. We'll be right back. So Eric looked it up for me. I think I've been calling this the new NAFTA, the trade agreement, President Trump. Yeah, the new the you you messaged me during the break. The uh, the new acronym. It's the United States Mexico Canada Agreement or USMCA. USMCA. Which, yeah. Isn't that what it is? Yes, Yasemka? Yes, Asmika? You can't say it. I think we go with new NAFTA. I I understand why President Trump, I mean, President Trump spent a lot of time bashing NAFTA. A lot of people don't like NAFTA. NAFTA's got a bad brand, which is why President Trump was probably politically successful campaigning against it. Um, And so I I can understand him not wanting to keep the NAFTA, but NAFTA was easier to talk (laughs) about. They should have spent more time just coming up with a, a better name than... Somebody's going to come up with something better than this. The you, Trump trade agreement. Trump trade. There Trump you go. Trade. Something like that. Uh, he would like that, Kind of like too. Obamacare. Trump trade. Right. There we go. Except I have a feeling we're going to get more deals down the line, and so it's going to be hard to distinguish them because we're not going to have one monolithic. This is the one for North America, obviously. Um, and it's interesting. And speaking of which, we're going to be speaking with... Uh, a, a former ambassador to the United Nations, Terry Miller. Uh, he's now with the Heritage Foundation. He's going to be talking to us a little bit about this trade agreement uh, because this trade agreement is uh, is pretty important public policy for the state of North Dakota. And, and honestly, and, and again, I, I think this, this news coming out of this agreement that, that Trump negotiated, the reason why, even beyond the specifics, and obviously the specifics are important, but they're they're not so important for the way voters feel. So right now, Democrats like Heidi Heitkamp, like uh, Max Schneider, U.S. House candidate Max Schneider. I always have to remind people that he's the U.S. House candidate. Nobody's paying attention to that House race. You have to when you talk about the candidates in that House race, Armstrong Schneider. You have to remind people what their names are because nobody's talking about that race. I think it's kind of funny. Anyway, um, Democrats like Heitkamp, like Schneider, have have invested themselves in the idea that Trump is incompetently handling trade, you know, his belligerent. Well, it kind of looks like he came out good on this deal. I mean, not only did we first, I mean, weeks ago, we got the news that, that the United States and Mexico, I mean, has there been a, is there a country that President Trump has been more belligerent towards than Mexico with the whole wall thing and everything else? And then we cut a trade deal with him. And then not only did we cut a trade deal, another country. <laughs> the Prime Minister of Justin Trudeau, 
that President Trump has feuded with, right? I mean, we've had a belligerent relationship with them. We cut a deal with Mexico. Then we forced Canada to come to the table. And it almost kind of looks at everything that Trump, President Trump's been saying about himself in terms of being a deal maker and everything else is, is, well, maybe it's true. And maybe all of this Democratic hand-wringing about President Trump and trade and, oh, he's, he's creating problems and all this stuff that they've tried to use as a wedge issue to drive rural voters in places like North Dakota away from President Trump and away from Republicans, maybe it's just an exaggeration. Maybe he's better at this stuff than they want to give him credit towards. And, and listen, I, I say this as somebody, I once wrote a post for the blog and the headline was never ever Trump. I didn't come in to the Trump era a Trump supporter. All right. But I'm, I'm telling you a lot of the dire predictions that people made that, that frankly had, had convinced me that was going to be true have not turned out to be true. He has, he has not created the sort of problems people said he was going to create. On the international scene, not with, not with the trade agreements, not even, I mean, look what people said about his handling of North Korea, and yet we've made more progress on North Korea. And grantedly, it's not time, granted, it's not time to hang up the mission accomplished banner with North Korea by any stretch of the imagination, but I feel like we've made more progress on North Korea, uh, in the last year or so than under just about any presidential administration going all the way back to the Korean War itself. So I don't know. Maybe he's more competent than his critics want to give him credit for. Anyway, hey, we're going to uh, we're going to talk like I said, uh, former ambassador Terry Miller from the Heritage Foundation. He's on next. We're going to talk about this new trade agreement. Uh the the Uzmika Uzmika The United States Mexico Canada agreement. Trump trade. Trump trade. <laughs> we'll be right back after this. Don't go away. Eric, Mike emails. He goes, uh, we were talking about the uh, the acronym because we're not using NAFTA anymore. Trump's Trump's new trade agreement's got an acronym, and it's, well, it doesn't roll off the tongue like NAFTA did. Emailer says, well, we, you and I were saying we should call it Trump trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, emailer says, call it the NADA, the North American Trump trade agreement. NADA. What do you think? I can go I with that. Gotta, I think we ought to forward that to the Federal Bureau of Government Acronyms. That's a thing, right? Somebody's got to be in charge of these things. Somebody's got to be in charge of making sense of all this stuff. Anyway, here's my guest, uh, amb- uh, former Ambassador Terry Miller, now with the Heritage Foundation. Terry, how are you? I'm fine, Rob. How are you today? I'm doing uh, just fine. So we have a new trade agreement. Um, we heard President Trump spoke about it earlier today. I watched his press conference. There's still, still, qu- I mean, these things are complicated. I mean, so it's going to take a while, I think, for everybody to digest them and, and look at them. But from your perspective, what are you seeing? And, and in particular, for, for our part of the country, North Dakota, Minnesota, South Dakota, uh, is this is this a good deal? Um, I think it is a good deal. It preserves the trilateral structure, Canada, Mexico, and the U.S. of of NAFTA before it. Uh, This has been a huge boon for prosperity. It means that people in your region are going to be able to uh, continue to have access to goods and services at at good prices. Um, They'll be able to have access to markets in Canada and Mexico, as well as in the United States. That's going to increase prosperity for everybody. Now, what what specifically are we talking about? I mean, what are are some of the highlights here of what's, what's been improved? 
Well, um, the agreement has been uh, modified to make it um, more consistent with our modern economies. Twenty-five years ago when NAFTA was negotiated, we really didn't have the Internet. We didn't have this kind of Internet commerce uh, with Amazon and country, uh, companies like that. So what you've got in this revised agreement now are new chapters that deal with intellectual property rights, with um, electronic commerce. Uh, those are going to provide a sense of security to firms that want to operate in those fields. Well, that's uh, that's certainly a boon. Um, what about things like with uh, – I, I was reading specifically uh, like for ag products um, here in North Dakota – uh, one thing that we struggled with is a lot of times our, our wheat growers, we're seeing their wheat um, automatically graded as like feed quality wheat, which is obviously a much lower quality, uh, doesn't command as high a price, obviously. Uh, some of that's tr- that's changed in the agreement as well. That's got to be good for, for, for the good for, for, for American uh, you know producers hoping to sell across across North American borders. Well, I think there's a commitment in the agreement uh, from everyone to um, allow science to determine uh, what uh, health and safety and quality standards uh, are appropriate for given products. And uh, that's always a good news for American producers uh, who, if if they're dealing in a fair and level playing field, are going to do just fine in in the competition that results. It's, It's interesting how we got to this point. Um, Ambassador Miller, because obviously President Trump has, um, shall we say, in, in a iconoclastic way of, of approaching these sort of negotiations. <laughs> if I can be, if I can be polite, uh, I mean, he's really bombastic. I mean, you you look at some of the things that Mexican leaders and, and and the Trump administration were saying about one another. You know, going back even several months ago, you look at at some of the you know so, so, some of the, the tough rhetoric between uh, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau uh, and President Trump. Uh, again, going back just just not that long ago. Uh, but now all of a sudden we, we several weeks ago announced that we had a, a, a deal in place with Mexico. That seems to have forced Canada to the table. Now we've got a trade agreement with Canada. I mean, can President Trump point at this and say, listen, I know what I'm doing? Uh, the president's certainly a disruptor in situations like this. Uh, he's he's a force for change. And uh, what I think we've seen here, though, is that countries have real interests at stake. It's not just uh, personalities driving this. Uh, it's countries that uh, whose consumers and producers both have very core economic interests working here in this agreement. It was a vital interest of all three parties that this agreement be reached in a satisfactory fashion. I think at the end of the day that overrode any sense of um, unease or unhappiness about the rhetoric that was flowing back and forth. 701-293-9000, email talk at wday.com. Uh, so, so where do we go from here? I mean, obviously we have... Um, you know, c- Congress is going to have to sign off on this, and that's going to be a whole other thing. But I have a feeling that's uh, well, that's definitely not going to happen till after the election. So I don't even know what to say about the dynamics there, because I don't know what to say about who's going to be in control of the Senate or the House uh, come uh, come January. So I guess we'll find out. But it just just in terms of uh, okay, so so we've got North America. It kind of seems like we got a new big deal in place between our, our trading partners here. What could this mean? for, say, our our efforts with with China? 
Well, I think it's a very good thing for the U.S., Canada, Mexico, and indeed many other countries in the world to be united, uh, to, to form a united front against China. Chinese, uh, the Chinese economy is not a true market-driven economy. They have a lot of government interference and control in areas like finance, uh, just directing investment decisions. There's overcapacity that they've pushed in many areas. Uh, China's not a, a very responsible actor in the world trading system, and w the United States doesn't need to fight that battle with China alone. So when we show that we have common interests with Canada and Mexico and um, only a, a month ago with Korea, um, that shows that we can all work together to challenge these bad Chinese practices. I think it's, this is going to help us against China. Do you? Do, I mean, no, the, the Canada. I mean, is, is it? And I, I realize that I'm, I'm simplifying what are extremely complex international uh, 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 negotiations. But I mean, is it something like where maybe we could now turn to China, sort of arm in arm with arm in arm with Canada and Mexico, saying, "Listen, China, come to the table, address some of these issues." Yes, exactly, and not just with China and Mexico, but with Korea, Japan, uh, many other countries. The European Union countries have concerns similar to ours with China. Uh, there's no reason we shouldn't all be united um, in asking China to really uh, come to the table and improve uh, its practices. 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. So, so to that end, and this is a big concern in our part of the world, because China buys a whole lot of North Dakota soybeans, or at least they did in the past. Um, that's been a major issue, particularly when you look at our, our Senate race, uh, which has gotten national attention. Um, you know, soybean growers and, and the impact on them, it's it's been tough. Um, does this make it more likely that China comes to the table? I mean, would you expect to see maybe progress on, on a, an agreement with China in the coming weeks even? Um, I don't know about the coming weeks. I, I haven't seen anything that indicates there are um, fruitful, active discussions going on between the United States and China. There have been a couple of false starts in that regard, and I, I think uh, that uh, the disagreements between China and the U.S. are probably going to have to play out a little bit longer. That doesn't mean that um, farmers, soybean farmers, necessarily have to sacrifice. That the Chinese did, in fact, uh, offer at one point to uh, increase their purchases of soybeans, and uh, they have a real need uh, to be in that market as buyers uh, to satisfy their population. One of the things about trade. Um, these trade protectionist measures and these trade disagreements is oftentimes countries are doing things that hurt their own people in these negotiations. When the U.S. Uh, puts a tariff on, for example, well, it's, it's U.S. citizens that pay that tariff. It's a tax on our purchases. And when China retaliates, they're cutting off supplies to their own people. So uh, I'm hopeful that cooler heads will prevail. Do you think one one of the criticisms and this last last question, Ambassador Miller? I, I thank you for your time today. But um, w one of the things that uh, I have heard of criticism of President Trump from the right, from from I, I I would say is you know maybe maybe sort of the the, the Reagan era free market minded uh, economists and think tanks or whatever. One one of the was, you know they called President Trump a, a protectionist. You know that he you know the tariffs and everything else were critical of him. 
this this trade agreement, you know, with, with Canada and Mexico is I, I mean, is, is, is that sort of showing that maybe some of that criticism was unwarranted? Oh, well, I think it's showing that the president's willing to compromise on his views. He's spoken very forcefully in favor of tariffs in the past, and most economists disagree with that. But um, in the actual agreements that have been negotiated, whether it's with uh, the Koreans or are now with uh, Canada and Mexico, the president has shown flexibility in being willing to back off of uh, the imposition of those high tariffs. So um, I, I think what we're seeing is a negotiating process, and it's important, and important that we wait and see what the end product of that is before we get uh, too involved in either praising or criticizing uh, what's going on. Uh, Ambassador, thank you for your time. You're very welcome. Good luck to you. Yeah, thank you. That's ambassador, uh, former Ambassador Terry Miller from the Heritage Foundation. This is Rob Port, 970 WDAYM 93.1 FM. Hey, I should mention, this Thursday afternoon, I mentioned earlier in the show, too, the Jay Thomas Show will be live in Purim as they get ready to celebrate Harvest Fest this Saturday. Jay will be broadcasting live from 125 Apparel in downtown Purim. Uh, the Jay Thomas Show live in Purim this Thursday is brought to you by Cavanaugh's Furniture, Goose Gang Toys, Refreshing Designs, The Nest, The Kitchen Store, Wild Goose Gifts, and 125 Apparel. Hey, we'll wrap up the show right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back. We're on Port 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM. We, um, just earlier in the show we were talking about uh, marijuana. We had actually a representative from, um, I think, think they're the only company so far that's gotten a license to sell medical marijuana in North Dakota. I don't... Has there ever one in Fargo? I, did I miss the news? I, I guess I don't know. not heard of one in Fargo. Yeah, okay. So I think it's just the one. They're Bismarck Mandan. They've been awarded the license. Um, they're operating in... Uh, they, they have 40 licenses across the nation. Uh, and it sounds like they're operating in like 31 states. Um, so they're big. Uh, which, which, by the way, is a feature. Those of us who have been arguing for legalizing marijuana for a long time, now this is what we've been saying. Let the capitalists take over, right? Let the entrepreneurs step in. If you want to, I mean, the, the surest way to drive gangs out of a black market, right? You want to undermine gangs, international gangs, money laundering operations, all the rest of it. Uh, let the capitalists come in. Right. There, there is nothing more powerful than, than capitalism. Right. I mean, if it's a product that we can legalize and marijuana is one, um, uh, you know, we'll let the capitalists take over. That's that's exactly what this is. This is what we want. Now, I asked him a question when he was on about recreational marijuana, because that's the debate. The debate over medical marijuana in North Dakota is over. We approved it. Uh, it's it's happening. Um, the question now is recreational marijuana. And he kind of. Would you say it was fair when I asked him that question, Eric? Would you say it's fair that, that he kind of punted on it a little bit? Yeah, yeah. He just kind of said, you know, it's not really. And I, I mean, I get that. I don't blame him. It's not really there. That's not their fight, right? They're going to operate a business. You know, he's just saying it's, you know, it's up to the voters. Um, I get that. Emailer though says uh, there is. A, this is what uh, emailer says. Uh, there isn't even a completed functioning medical marijuana manufacturing facility in the state. The one that is set to serve the Fargo area near Horace is still nothing but an empty lot. Those facilities are months away from completion and operations. Once up and running, it's another four to five months for products to be ready for harvest and distribution. Bottom line, it's objectively going to be the better part of a year before anyone can get medicine legally in North Dakota. It's also interesting that Sanford, 
North Dakota's largest healthcare provider, has yet to decide if they will allow their doctors to prescribe cannabis. I think there's an organized push to bamboozle people into thinking this medical is close so they don't feel the need to vote yes on Measure 3. I don't know. What do you think about that point? Do you think there's an effort, Eric, to bamboozle people into thinking medical marijuana is close? No, I don't think so. And and I think I when you think so. when you bring up Sanford, we don't know if they're doing things, you know, if they're already planning things behind the door and, and not going to release it un- until it's time. Right. I mean, they don't have to make a decision on it yet. And, and also, I, I think the one thing that people don't give enough credit to is how complicated this is. I mean, if you're a giant company like Sanford, um, before you go, you know, off, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of boxes they got to check. I mean, not le- least is the ongoing federal prohibition, not least are, 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 are the, you know, we're, we're breaking new ground. I mean, we're pioneering public policy here, right? This isn't, this isn't something that's easily done. Um, I, and, and by the way, I was really, for, for the amount of criticism that I have seen heaped on the legislature, a lot of criticism I've seen heaped on the North Dakota Department of Health over their handling of medical marijuana. Eric, I was surprised for, to, to, to hear him praise it. Yeah, he said it was it was moving along just as they expected, and there, no indication and, that people were dragging feet. And he even said, uh, I, I was jotting down some notes here. Uh, he was he, oh, This is what he said. He said, uh, North Dakota has done a fantastic job. He said, I quote, I would tell you that North Dakota has gone along at a much faster pace than other states. I mean, so he's saying not, not only has have, you know, we we've gone along at our own pace and done well, we've done better than other states, according to him. Right. Now, of course, they've got a license and they're the first ones to get a license. So maybe their perspective on it is is different. I don't know. But I don't know that, that to me, that just flies in the face of a lot of what people have been saying about the process. I, again, I, I think mar- the pro-marijuana people, both on the medical side and the recreational side, and understanding there's a lot of overlap, too, between those two sides, they are rightfully impatient. I can understand why they're impatient. We've been having these debates. We've had this fight going on for a long, long time. I think we are very, very close to some very big victories on marijuana, both in North Dakota and nationally. Um, but I, I think people are getting impatient, and I think people are starting to see... I don't want to say conspiracies, but are starting to see nefarious actions or whatever. Maybe where it's not due. I don't know. That's just me. Hey, that's it for, for me today. Jay Thomas Show straight ahead. You're going to want to tune in for that. You can always catch me here 12 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday, 24 hours a day, seven days a week at sayanythingblog.com, North Dakota's most popular political blog. Thanks for listening. We'll talk again.